Hey everybody, welcome back to Arcade Cozy, the coziest game room on the internet. My name is Chris. My name is Corey. And we're coming at you just at an odd, uh, just fit into our schedules. I really didn't know how to phrase that, but yeah, Corey, yeah. We're, we're just, we got a lot going on. We're squeezing this in just in yeah, the tightest, are. tightest space possible. Um, yeah, this will probably be one of those where we... Sorry, listeners, but you know we're gonna get get in, talk, and then get out. And um, there's not might not be a lot of fluff this week. This no. might be the only fluff you get. Some, but sometimes you need just those really efficient yeah. episodes. You need it just to give you the business, and then to hop on, hop on mm-hmm. right down there. Plus, I mean, Zelda comes out uh, this week. Yeah, um, you're you're gonna be hearing all about Zelda stuff. For the next few weeks, I'm sure. Few yeah. years, maybe. So maybe so. Um, so yeah, you'll uh you'll get plenty. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, but Corey, how are you doing? Doing well. Got back from my sister-in-law's wedding yesterday. It was a phenomenal time. Um yeah, small wedding, but tons of fun. Um uh she had me recording most of the wedding on a super eight camera. Ooh, um love that. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed okay. it. Now Sweet. I need to get one. So. Yeah, I love that. Um, I love that style. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I know it's not like it's not one to one comparison, but for a while I've been looking at because like my wife did photography for mm-hmm. a while. Yeah. Um, so we have DSLRs and stuff, mm-hmm. but I've looked at getting some of those like, um. Like, you know how Fujifilm recently yeah. has had like a big resurgence where it's yeah. like people have like really been going for these specific models and not even just them, but just like this specific type of, you know, not analog, not film, but more the, you know, more stripped down photography experience. I've looked at getting some of those because it's like, I want, I've never been myself like super, super into photography. I like it a lot, but I just mm-hmm. have never found that entry point. I feel like getting into something like that where it's just like, it's the fun of it. It's the experience of it. I think, cause like I can take good pictures with my phone, but I want, I want the experience. I want that to, you know, and I think that kind of, I think that's where some of that interest and some of that style has come from over the last couple of years. Um, Cause people just want to, they, they, the product's good. They want the experience. Yeah, no, it was a good time. She had like four or five different cameras like in rotation throughout like the, it was like a three, four day event kind of a thing where uh, she had people down and everyone's just taking random photos. I'm like recording the entire time. I have all the other like nine minutes of like footage on it. So, okay. Yeah. Very fun. Nice. Love Mm -hmm. it. How are you? Yeah. I'm, I'm doing well. Um, been busy just yeah. you know weekend was full of house stuff um birthday party stuff mm-hmm. so you know a lot of the usual but we spent we've been spending a lot of time kind of gearing up for the final leg of some of this contractor stuff with the house yeah. so once mm-hmm. that's through then it kicks up on our end and then eventually we'll, you know, yada, 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 we'll be in a house. Um, but yeah, we're, we're very much in that kind of period right now. So it's a lot of preparation. It's a lot of, a lot of that kind of stuff going on, but yeah. Against all odds though, I have, uh, I've managed to play some games, Corey. Yeah, you have. Um, Yeah, you have better than me. Most of which will be, um, a surprise to you. There were multiple times where I was like, you know, I'm going to text Corey this. But then like the more that it kind of like the closer that it got to your yeah. wedding weekend and stuff, I was like, ah, eh, he's out of town. Eh, he's got stuff yeah. going on. And <laughs> eh, I'll just save it for the podcast. I'll yeah, just yeah. uh I'll I'll surprise him with it instead I of I appreciate um, this. Instead of like sharing it along the way. But yeah, Corey, let's jump in. Um do, do you want me to start or do you want to start? I would love for you to start. I don't have too much because it is Zelda week. And so I've been more focusing on what I've been playing and just wrapping those things up. I do have a little bit of a new game to touch on, but not much on it. So you paved the way for us this week, sir. So Corey, um, along with the, like, I'm still kind of plucking away a little bit at like other Zelda stuff. Um, Majora's Mask, 
Um, nice. But I haven't, I haven't like gotten into Minish Cap or any of the other stuff mm-hmm. yet. I think I've just kind of resigned. I'm like, okay, it's not going to happen before Tears of the Kingdom. So maybe yeah. I can finish Majora's Mask before then. Um, <clears throat> but the big notable things of the week, I played two games, Corey. Yeah, you did. Um, both of these games have vampires in them, Corey. Okay. Um, I played Resident Evil Village. I, I played Redfall. Um, so <laughs> I have, um, I have uh, experience with both. And yeah. uh, one is good. One is not. Um, hmm. And it's not what you think. Oh, okay. No, I'm just kidding. It, okay. it is it exactly is what, what you think. think. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I'll uh, I'll start with Redfall just because I I feel like I have the least amount to say on it. But like I legitimately wanted to just with the well, I mean, if you've been on the internet seeing anything on Redfall, then it's you know you've come to see the fact that like nobody really likes Redfall, which I don't think was like the most surprising thing because in the lead up, most people were like, this just doesn't like, it doesn't look exciting. Mm. I'm not interested in it. It looks kind of like left for dead vampires. Maybe, I don't know, but still like not necessarily super engaging. I, you know, and I think that there were people who were hoping that it was going to be really good, but I don't think it, I don't think there were a lot of people who were just like firmly, this is going to be a goatee thing. Right. Um, but then whenever it came out, it was like, okay, it's on game pass. I want to, I want to have the experience because yeah. it is also like, you know, I've gone on record here. I'm a huge arcane fan. This game yes, was made by yes, arcane. Um, arcane. I have played, I guess at this point, every game that arcane has like primarily, developed since the original Dishonored like 10 years ago. So that's like Dishonored, Dishonored 2, Dishonored Death of the Outsider, Prey, Deathloop, um, played through them. Um, this is Arcane. So Redfall was Arcane Austin. Arcane split up into two gotcha. studios. They have mm-hmm. Arcane Leon and Arcane Austin. Arcane Leon um, most recently did Deathloop. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Arcane Austin prior to this did um, Prey. I imagine there's gotcha. a little bit of crossover, but this was the team that headed up Prey. And Prey was very well received. Mm-hmm. I, I think it was like, I think it was a little bit more split in some cases, but it very much was like, it's developed that cult status of no, like not enough people played this game. This was really good. More people should play it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Redfall came out. It is a... For it's a co-op shooter game, a la kind of like a Left for Dead, but it's vampires and it's set in this town of Redfall, Massachusetts, and you play as one of four characters who are all unique. Like they all have their their own style and backstory, I guess. Like, you know, one of the guys, Jacob, has this just kind of blurb where he has this, I think like undead eye that was kind of like bestowed on him by, by like a vampire God or something. And he uh, used to be pretty, like he's part of this. Yeah. He's part of this like militia security group. And he has this weird, like Raven, like ghostly Raven hanging out with him. Um, one of the other ones I think is like a kind of like a vlogger, YouTuber, something. Um, one's like a military person. You know, it's a lot of like, the, I think the archetypes are are interesting, and like, and that is one of the, that is probably, I guess. Granted, I will say, like, didn't spend a ton of time with Redfall. Spent a couple of hours, but I wanted to have a little bit of a glimpse into what was going on. I'll, I mean, legitimately, I'll say, like, a good thing about it is that, like, it makes a genuinely kind of compelling. F- first couple of minutes like it it sets it up in an interesting way of like oh this story could be kind of cool like it's there's this kind of like shadowy group in town who effectively paved the way for these vampires to exist and take over the town it's not just like oh vampires one day showed up out of nowhere and just took over it's like 
there seems like there is a pretty strong world building element to set up the fact that like these vampires came in. What happened? What's what's going on? And like in your first scene, you're on like this boat headed out of town and one of these like vampire god lords like it's basically like, oh, no, you don't. And just upends the water in this like, you know, Moses feet and yeah, just casually. freezes it and like, you know, uh, wrecks your boat on the ocean or on the lake bottom or whatever it is. And so like your first scene is like walking out of the boat and just seeing this like frozen in time wave, like curling in over the top of the ship. And it's like, there's a lot of like really, you know, the sun's being blocked out, like okay. in this permanent eclipse. Like there's a lot of really neat yeah, set building, but legitimately and the, and there's also a lot of like you can feel some of the arcane elements like looking at the the little letters that are popping up and just looking at some of those things i'm like oh yeah like i can tell this is an arcane game but legitimately like i it wasn't it just it wasn't fun <laughs> to play i think is like is the biggest thing that kind of came out of it because like notably i didn't have really any technical issues playing it like there have been some people who are like oh yeah it's it's buggy as hell and stuff's popping in Mm -hmm. and like you do this animation and um the frames jump down to the single digits i didn't really have that i had a couple of instances where i would do like a finisher and it would do that for like a second but by and large like it ran fine it just, it's, it legitimately just felt like, I don't know, it felt, it felt unfinished, I think is like the best way of describing yeah. it, where it feels like you're, it feels like a very, very, very early stage of a game that was supposed to come out 13 years ago. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't feel modern in any way. It feels like it feels kind of like left for dead. Like somebody tried to take a left for dead and throw in a story, throw in some looting elements okay. and throw in kind of like an open world aspect. But it's very like the town looks neat and looks like it could have life, right. but there's not anything to do. Um, in a lot of cases, there aren't any, even I didn't run into that many enemies whenever I'd be wandering around, I would be okay. wandering around the town expecting to find something, but all of the doors were like blocked or closed. You couldn't go inside many places. And then as I'm like wandering the streets, I'm not running into any vampires or enemies. Um, I'm not running into any people. I'm just wandering around and like, again, yeah. Okay. Here's this festival. Here's this thing. Like this stuff is cool to look at, but like there's not, there's nothing to do. And then when something would pop up like a vampire or somebody like that, the AI was really not great where it would just be human enemies would just kind of like stand there and shoot at you. Occasionally Um, vampire enemies would kind of like fly to you and then like maybe try to make a swipe Mm -hmm. and then just disappear. And then they would show up like 20 feet in front of you again and try and do the same move where they just fly to you and then like make a swipe and then disappear again. And it was like, there was nothing. I don't know that I got hit more than once or twice. I don't, there wasn't anything like engaging about the combat. There wasn't anything like, you know, fun about that. And it just felt it felt like I was playing like a buddy almost was like, Hey, I'm making a first person action game. Can you play test my like mm, first version? Yeah. And that's what it felt like was it didn't feel like a game. It felt more just kind of like a, we, we are making the bones of a world. Can you just like tell us how it feels? And that was kind of like, and that's, it's just, it, it's such a weird thing. Because, like, I know my experience with Arcane, I know that they are 
very capable of making very engaging worlds. I mean, yep. you haven't even played a ton, a ton of arcane games, but like you've played Deathloop and yes. Deathloop very right engaging. from the get go, like Deathloop has stuff. Like I wish it was more, I wish it was more of certain things than other things, but like, you know, dialogue right from the gate, mm-hmm. very engaging. The combat and AI, very engaging, very interesting. The world setup, very interesting. The everything in it, very dense, very full, very like teeming with life. And none of that is here. Like animations don't look good at all. Characterization is not there. Um, it's just, it feels, it doesn't feel like it was finished. It doesn't feel like the game was supposed to be released in this state. It Mm. feels very much like it was steered a direction and then just kind of like yanked out of hands at the 11th hour to then just be put on shelves. And like, at least listening to the conversations, I mean, it's hard to know who to blame in that instance. Yeah. I would venture a guess at it being Bethesda over anybody else, just because I've heard, you know, there, there've been enough conversations about like, Oh yeah. Bethesda wanted this type of game. Like, you know, Arcane was going to make this, but Bethesda wanted them to make this. So then that became this. Mm, like that was yeah. the case with Deathloop where they wanted a, they wanted like, we want kind of like a, like a multiplayer kind of thing. Unfortunately, yeah. like they took the approach where it was like, okay, let's make this, let's make this game that has like this engaging multiplayer elements yeah. where like yeah. people can pop in and kind of be like this rival assassin. But, that was kind of the direction that they led them in. And with this, I imagine it was that same kind of thing. Like, Hey, we want this, like we want this living game. We want a looter shooter. We want multiplayer. We want people to be engaged. We want to potentially like, I don't know the plans, maybe add in stuff future down the road. Like we want this to be this game. That's mm-hmm. like, you know, Redfall. this world of Redfall is constantly evolving and growing and, And that's what it feels to me is it doesn't feel like having played arcane games. It doesn't feel like arcane made this right. (laughs) It feels, it feels almost kind of like an imposter made it pretending to be arcane. And I don't really know what happened. It is a weird thing. And it's, and it is a, and it's also a strange thing because it's like, you know, I understand it's easy to look at it and just be like, oh, well, you should have made Dishonored 3 or you should have made Prey 2 or whatever. And it's like, you know, Arcane thrives in this world building and building and like in making these new creative things. I don't want them to just do the same thing over and over again. But it's really like, it's really just unsettling to see it in this state and for it to be like, to look at it and think that anybody was okay with (laughs) sending it out because again, not necessarily broken, but it's like, it's not very fun. Yeah. You know, I mean, you go into like an abandoned house and it's like, Oh, this is the, this is the, the Burton residence. And it's like, Oh, what's going on at the Burton residence? And it's like, well, every window's boarded up except one. And you go in and, the windows are all, or the rooms are all completely empty except a couple of vampires and you shoot them around and there's no, there's no life in here. There's nothing going on. It's just, there was a door that you could go in to fight some vampires and then you walk back outside again. And it's like, there was just, in my time with it, I was like, man, I like the, I like the Massachusetts setting. I like the idea of this interesting vampire environment. It's like, I didn't walk away feeling like I took anything from the experience. I walked away and was just like, this was, it's a game. Yeah, I guess it exists. It exists legitimately, maybe legitimately like 360 era. I could have had fun with this with some friends, like just kind of talking and going through and, fighting something I, d- I still don't really even know what the point was like i don't yeah. i didn't really i don't really even know what i was doing or why but um 
Yeah, I don't know. It's such a it is such a baffling game, and it's also something that like makes me. It's not like I mean, if anybody listens to the podcast, like it's not like Corey and I are the super hot on Starfield mm-hmm. coming out. Like, um, I mean, I'm I'm hopeful. I I loved Bethesda in the past, but it's not like we've just been sitting here being like, oh yeah, Starfield. Yeah. Can't, can't wait. Goaty. Um, it makes me more concerned for that because like, mm-hmm. just the fact that like, you know, Xbox and Bethesda, like they've been in this position where it's just like, this is, this is their version of okay. Like it makes me with Bethesda being a studio studio that's notable for having launch issues, even when is it's in like good condition right. by their standards. Like, I'm curious what it's going to look like Um, because like, I know, I know it's kind of PR and everything, but Phil Spencer at Xbox has come out and being like, yeah, you know, I, I take responsibility for the way that this shipped and it's like, yeah, um, I get it. But again, like why, why didn't you hop in beforehand and, and make that call? Like not just because what that tells me is, I'm sorry that you don't like it. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But we were hoping you would. And that tells, <laughs> tells me that they were okay sending it out in that state. And it's like, what, what state is Starfield going to be in? And it makes it more worrying that like those early, my early impressions that it was like, oh, Starfield with 10,000 planets. I'm like, that's going to be a lot of empty mm-hmm. shit. That's not mm-hmm. going to be worth doing it makes me a little more like worried that that is going to be the case, that it's going to be a lot of just stuff with nothing to do. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It, it is a, it is a weird thing. Just whatever's happening, um, with Xbox and, uh, this whole, this whole thing. I don't know. Yeah. I, it's, it's worrying um, and a bit confusing. I mean, there's so few AAA titles, if that's what we want to consider them, but I guess just big game releases coming out. And I feel like that's all it is. There is no, it's either an indie game or it's a big release. There's very few things that feel in between. And Redfall kind of feels like one of those things that I guess could be in between, but it was one of Xbox's like prime like console titles to release this year. And you see that coming out and just marred with issues. No one really likes it. Like you said, it could be, it could have been a 360 game. You see that. I think you see Jedi Survivor that has a lot more favorable reviews. A lot of people really like it, but also came with its fair share of issues and bugs. And you're just, I'm looking at the landscape. I'm like, okay, like what's, what is our issue right now? What is going on? Why, why did, why are we having a cyberpunk? Why are we having um, Jedi Survivor, Redfall, all these different things? Why is it just more noticeable now? Because everyone can talk with each other. There's more expectation because everything's just, I, everyone's having these issues when before there wasn't as many, like it was harder to get your voice out there or get like, discussion of the issues out there with these game releases, or is this just more of like a fundamental issue with the market and that these developers just don't have enough time to let these games cook in the oven to get all these issues out before release, you know? Yeah. And, and it's hard to know without being a developer. I mean, that's part of it just feels like, like we're at a, we're at a tipping point of just like games realistically cannot get any bigger than they are right now without this being a constant issue. Because I mean, that's the thing is that you balance given at this point, I mean, go back 15 years. If you're playing a game on the Xbox 360 in like 2008, 2009, you're playing a either a single player game Mm -hmm. that is very like, traditional like maybe it's big maybe it's what but it's it's a traditional single player game maybe they come out with some dlc something a la like a mass effect something Mm -hmm. like that or you have a traditionally multiplayer game where you have your like short 
bombastic story like a Call of Duty and like the yeah. big robust multiplayer experience. But like that was kind of your one of two sides. Yeah. You didn't occasionally you were having like your multiplayer dedicated experience like a Left for Dead, but you weren't having this like multi nuanced kind of thing like we do today where you have all these living games where it's like, oh, well, you have now you have destiny. Now you mm-hmm. have your like your would be anthems and Godfalls and like all of these other um, games that just want to exist forever. And like the amount of load that I imagine because, and I imagine that it's a tough thing for developers because you look at like Rocksteady with Mm -hmm. the suicide squad, like that, that is what suicide squad was going to end up being and may still end up being. I mean, it's been delayed at this point. I hope that part of the reason that it was delayed was because of like they were kind of realizing some of this stuff where yeah. it was like, if we put it out in the state like this, even if it plays well, people don't want it. So what's the point? And I think that that is the core thing is like the business people, the publishers, they're looking at the money side of things and they're like, yeah. okay. If we can make our big always on game where we Mm -hmm. can make people play these games long term, we can get people invested, then we can really rake in that money. And for developers, like it's a tall ask to be like, okay, I'm going to make as big a game as I would have before that would have just been a one-off experience something that was cinematic almost like watching a movie but now i have to do it to where it's maintained forever and i'm having to keep updating it and i'm having like we're having to keep doing these things and it's not like it's not like they're i mean yeah jedi survivor doesn't have like it has its own things even though it's its own single player experience but i say all that to say like i think there's just a lot of expectation on developers currently to make these big games in a way that wasn't expected of them potentially like 10, 15 years ago. And I think it's leading to games being this level of just unpolished, whatever, because of expectations that like, well, this is what we need to succeed. It doesn't matter the quality. It doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter any of that. It's we need these elements in place. And once they're in place, if the graphics aren't up to snuff, if whatever, like it doesn't matter. Gamers will play it. The numbers say that. So we need to put it out and make sure that like we're beating this Q2 target, whatever, so yeah. that we can, you know, and I, I don't know. I mean, that maybe I'm giving too much credit to some developers in that state. Maybe I'm being too harsh on publishers. I, I don't know. But I mean, it's it is a thing where legitimately I think. Over the next like five, 10 years, I would be surprised if we don't start seeing more like more of a shift backwards in the style of like big AAA action games where it is like where we are moving back to where we were end of the 360 PS3 era. We're like, yeah, we have big AAA games, but that scale is being pulled back. It's not, they're being more tailored in, more like really hyper-focused in scope. And they're not like shooting for these big highs because of things like crunch and because of things like, Mm -hmm. you know, negative consumer like perception and whatever. Um, And maybe we don't, maybe we just keep on going into some, until we like burst into flames and the industry burns in on itself. But like, yeah, you know, I mean, it is a thing where thinking of myself, like I am consistently more excited for the, the like notable indie titles yeah. than I am like big AAA games, which was not where I was, you know, way back whenever I was a teenager, when I was a teenager, it was like, I want the big games. I want the bombastic, whatever. I don't care about this Xbox live arcade, whatever. And right. it's like now yeah. give me the fishing sim. Give me the, <laughs> like, give me, give me, Yeah, give me Dredge. Give me like a Stardew Valley something. Give me something that's just like like honed in Mm. to an inch of its life to give me just like the best possible experience where these developers are giving like free content away just because they love 
Like they love the work they're doing and they're trying to make the best version of it. Um, and I, I just, I cannot imagine developers not shifting more that direction over time or else we, or else I think we are just going to lose a lot of respect for a lot of big developers or just not see stuff from them very often where it is going to be like your, you know, your arcanes and your Bethesda's and your Mm -hmm. naughty dogs potentially. I mean, naughty dog like hones it in again within an inch of its life, but they have their own issues Issues. with crunch and other things. And, um, I just, I don't know. It's such a, it is such a weird thing. And, you know, it's a, it is a strange thing too, that it is so consistently, at least quality wise, it's so consistently an Xbox issue. And, you know, whereas like, I mean, Sony has stuff, but I mean, it'd be one thing if like, like, I don't have concerns that Spider-Man two later this year is going to be (laughs) this, like this ass of an experience, um, which is saying something the fact that like you can kind of expect that out of every microsoft release but not out of a sony release or um you know i don't know know. it's weird it's It's weird Corey. it's worrying but it is what it is yeah um yeah the the other i mean i said that wasn't gonna take a while that took like a half hour um (laughs) the the other thing that i um, have been playing. I played through all of Resident Evil Village. Corey. Yeah, you did. I I beat it. Um, you beat it. I started it, and then I thing. finished it. Yes, it did. Um, yeah. It um it also has vampires. Yeah, it does. um for part of it. Um, not for all of it. Um, but yeah, I hopped into it and just like really got immersed in that. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, Resident Evil Village. I mean, I have not at this point. In the last couple of months, I've played Resident Evil 2 for... Seven. Two and four remake, seven, and now eight. And I, like, I am not sure if eight wasn't my favorite oh, of look at those. You. Okay. Like, and I think it's it's a hard thing to say. So, like, because in part, eight eight still is regardless of what what anybody thinks regardless of what your opinion is um eight still is kind of legitimately terrifying oh, okay <laughs> yeah like it i think it's the first person thing of it yeah it is so like it is so affecting in a way that like you know if two had been first person i think two would have been legitimately terrifying but okay. two yeah. You know, it it has that level of separation to it. And it's really interesting, like, watching Resident Evil, because, like, had I played Resident Evil 7 when it first came out, before 8 came out, I would have been legitimately worried that that was the direction that they were going. That it was going to be the... Because Resident Evil 7 doesn't really feel like Resident Evil. It has moments, mm-hmm. but by and large, it feels like, okay, we're rebooting the series and we're going in a completely different direction. And Resident Evil 8 feels like they pull that back. Like it feels there are a lot of moments they feel like Resident Evil 4. It's probably the most action e of yeah. all of them. Like okay. um toward the end especially. Um they really want to lean in on giving you as much firepower as possible and making you like really feel powerful, but there is like a level of there is a level of influence that I think they have drawn on from like survival horror games that have come out over the last decade with games like amnesia and things like that, Mm -hmm. where they are legitimately just, you are powerless and you have to, you are at the whims of what is happening around you. Like they're even in village, they embrace that in place. And it feels like, it feels like village does a tremendous job at being like, okay, we're still a resident evil game. So we're pulling you back in. It still feels like a Resident Evil game, but we are going to hit you with some legitimately terrifying moments that that do make you wonder if you can actually like if you can get out of this. (laughs) Well, I mean, so like so four, for instance, I mean, by comparison, like four basically kind of feels like a 
it feels like a constant power curve. Like you start right. out yeah. really scared and weak because you only have a pistol or you only have like a pistol and maybe a shotgun. And so you get surrounded. You don't have the tools to get through it. But then by the end of the game, you have your SMG, you have your shotgun, you have your sniper rifle, maybe you have Mm -hmm. a rocket launcher, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And so even whenever you run up against these like really kind of terrifying enemies, it feels a little less terrifying because you do have the power to deal with it. Um, Eight has that like very much from the very beginning. I mean, it starts out like you have no weapon. Like, I mean, just, just from the outset, like for people who aren't super aware of aid, like, I mean, the game starts out where you're in your home with your wife, Mia and your daughter, Mm -hmm. and you're laying her down for bed. And, um, you're sitting at the dinner table with Mia talking and then Chris Redfield and his, you know, band of band of uh, army men bust through, gun down your wife, mm, and lovely. kidnap you and your your daughter. Um, and you wake up like in the woods with nothing, just wandering through while stuff's like running around you and yeah. stuff. And it like it sets you up very early on as being like very defenseless. Like I'm in the dark, can't see anything, don't know where I am. How did I get here? Have no weapon. What am I, what I'm going to yeah. do? And then even once you get to like the village, you just have like a pistol and you don't, you're at the whims of what's going on. And there are all these like werewolves, like lurking on the, mm-hmm. on the rooftops. And like, you feel very vulnerable. Right. Yeah. And by the end of the game, you know, I have a Magnum and I have like, like a semi-automatic shotgun and I have more ammo than I know what to do with. And I have mines and I have like grenade launchers and I have all these kind of things and I feel powerful, but there are plenty of moments in there where it does feel like it strips that away from you. And it does feel like it's playing with your expectation of what's supposed to happen to the point where it was like, there were, there were plenty of points throughout the game where I, even though I had plenty of ammo and plenty of guns at my disposable, I wasn't a hundred percent that they weren't going to throw a curveball at me that was going to make me weak again right. or make mm-hmm. me feel weak again. Um, most notably, which I mean is kind of infamous at this point, but the house Ben Viento yeah, section. I know all about that. Oh. <laughs> of the game is legitimately terrifying. And it is something where you are, effectively powerless the entire section you're not like you don't have you don't have a gun you don't have you know not full i'm sure people who are familiar with the game like have heard about this section but like i won't spoil it otherwise but i mean it very much it's it's kind of like a like a saw yeah section like i mean it's very you're solving puzzles you're doing this kind of stuff and it's not there's there's even though at that point you have a shotgun you have a sniper rifle everything mm-hmm. it's just like oh we're taking this from you now and uh now you just gotta get out of this mansion right you just gotta get out of here you got nothing um except your brain and a flashlight and like stuff like that was legitimately terrifying mm-hmm. like it, stuff like that and there were moments even when even out, even once I, when I had guns and whenever, whatever, like there's stuff in the castle that's terrifying and there's stuff in like, there's a factory area love area later. That's also terrifying. Like in, in portions and stuff. And it's like, they, they balance it really well to the point where like, for someone like me who is like horror averse, I was going through and I was like, man, this is, this is still unsettling, but it was, much more fun and much more engaging than seven ever was in that regard. Seven was just kind of like gross and terrifying throughout. Um, This felt very fun and felt very like engaging throughout. Plus I think it has probably some people may disagree, but like I feel like it has the best story of the okay. ones that I've played because like it, it is a direct continuation of seven. Okay. And even, and there's a, like there's a primer at the start that can, that will kind of like brief you on what happened in seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is very much, it's not like, 
Resident Evil 2 to 3 or whatever, where it's just kind of like, oh, these happen to be happening at the same time. Like, yeah. it's This is directly like right after 7. The stuff that is happening is directly related to what happened in Resident okay. Evil 7. Um, so you're, it's very much a continuation. You're very much engaged in that. But it was like, I was very interested in just certain arcs of things. I was mm-hmm. very interested in the mythology of things. I was very interested in like, how did Lady Dimitrescu and her daughters, like, why, why are there effectively vampires in this castle? Right. Why are yeah. there lichens? Like, why is there this giant fish man? Why, why can this guy, why is this guy basically Magneto? Like, what is, like, what are these things? Like, right. why yeah. is this stuff happening? And I was very engaged in a way that like, again, Resident, like played Resident Evil 4 remake very recently, very much enjoyed it much more so than I did the original Resident Evil 4. Mm-hmm. But like Resident Evil 4's story largely is nonsense. Yeah. And oh it yeah. Is, no, it's, it's just camp the whole time. Right. There's not really much to kind of go off of. And with this, like, even though, even if something doesn't make sense or it's too like way out of left field, whatever, like, it's really engaging and it really like pulls you in. And I'm very interested to see like what happens next. Like I'm interested in seeing what happens going forward. And I'm interested in seeing like the connections to these characters and like more from Ethan's daughter and his wife and, you know, Chris Redfield's connection and just all of these different kind of things. Um, and seeing how it just kind of progresses from yep. there, this whole, um, so I don't know, like I, I have had a blast with it. Um, I played through it rapid pace, played a little bit of mercenaries mode, like game feels great to play. Um, it kind of like the, the only weird thing. And I think it's just something as I'm getting older, it did make me a little bit motion sick. Like at the first mm-hmm. start of it, like they okay. had this weird, like camera Bob thing that I had to turn off because it was making me feel a little weird. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. But like game looks beautiful. Um, game was a lot of fun had just a lot of great stuff in it and the um yeah the village super neat too like just a yep. lot of being able to explore around that look at different things like solve these different puzzles um and just kind of like exist in this place just felt super cool nice. um so yeah i um i'm excited for resident evil 9 whenever that happens i think the rumors have been it's going to be like taking place in the American West with like American mythology. Ooh. So like Wendigos and goat yeah. men and mm-hmm. like that kind of like the, like that kind of thing, which sounds sufficiently terrifying. Yes. <laughs> it's, um, but I would be down for it to yep. like now that I'm really getting into the, uh, the Resident Evil stuff. So Nice, yeah. I think for me, like Village is next for me, and what's held me back yeah. the most is that mansion sequence. Because I know all about it because it's just horrifying, and it's intrigued me in the past. So I looked into it, and I'm like, oh yeah, that is downright just diabolical. Um, but I don't know. I'm very excited to play it. Um, you've definitely swung. I'm already going to play it, but I think you just swung my excitement more for it because it sounds very fun yeah and it very much is like i i can see even in my limited um experience with resident evil like there's a lot of there are a lot of callbacks and a lot of just like really strong connections to resident evil um that i can see like when resident again whenever resident evil 7 had just come out and we didn't know anything about resident evil village. Like I can see people being scared because resident evil seven felt very disconnected. It felt Mm -hmm. like it wasn't felt like they were just like making a hard turn and not really trying to connect this to the overall thing. Um, but resident evil village really kind of like hones that back in and really makes it a, um, really standalone, but also like, interconnected experience that I think was interesting. Also, Ethan, um, very much like partway through the game starts to channel his inner Leon very well and starts like throwing off some quips. Like you can tell he gets comfortable after a while and he starts, um, 
throwing out some stuff. I was trying to remember one, but like I noticed whenever it happened because at the beginning he was just like scared and swearing a lot. And then yeah. like in the third ish area, like after he got through the Ben Viento yeah. house, he was starting okay. to throw out like, I can do this. You know, yeah. 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 If I like a fish man, he was like, ah, I love me some fish sticks. I don't know. Something, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> something yeah. like that. Um, so very much starts to lean into that in that last like half. So good. Good. I like to hear that. I love all the quips. Yeah. What about you, Corey? What have you been playing? Um, well, in the lead up to a uh, Zelda week, I was looking into, uh, played a little bit more, uh, awakening. Don't really have much more to offer. Uh, insight wise other than uh, what I talked about last week um, I was looking to go do either Ocarina of Time or Minish Cap but then when I clicked on them I was like oh you need the Nintendo uh, online and expansion pack I'm like well I don't want to drop money on that when I'm about to drop you know 70 bucks on Tears of the Kingdom then another 70 bucks on Jedi Survivor then another 70 bucks on Final Fantasy 16 here in like the next like six week window kind of a thing like okay yeah well, what can we, I'm just like looking around um, at this point. And so I typed in Zelda on uh, the Nintendo eShop and I saw um, Crypt of the Necrodancer um, Cadence of Hyrule, which is a essentially like spinoff DLC, whatever you want to call it, uh, Crypt of the Necrodancer, just with the Zelda flavor where you play as Link in. Yep the rules and world of Crypt of the Necrodancer. And if you don't know what that is, it is a trying to think is an action game with um where you have to move to the beat of the world music. Now world music is usually some like heavy rock, like badass, just like guitar riffs with like a thick drum going most of the time. And very, very fun, I would say. Um, it was nice to kind of do a little bit of a shift from like Link's Awakening, a link to the past, Breath of the Wild into like here is this genre that's um hasn't been done a ton, but it usually is done well when it is with the link or with the Zelda skin over it. And so you uh, start out as this other character, then you eventually switch over to Link, and it's you trying to like time your movements and combat with the rhythm of the world. And so you can see enemies like shifting with it. I think this or like dancing to it. Uh, I imagine this is a lot like Hi-Fi Rush uh, for you, Chris, when you played it. But it's like you can see it, you can feel like the groove as you're going, and eventually you kind of get into this rhythm with it. Um, yeah. You don't press any buttons for like to make the attack. It's just you have to like time your movement, like move in like the directional pad into an enemy at the beat, and it does the attack for you. And but they're also trying to attack you, so you're having to like line it up and like make sure you're not getting hit. And it's just a wonderful, I guess, best way I can describe it is just dance, where you're just like dancing with the game. Like okay, yeah. here I am. Yeah. I'm going bounce and bounce and bounce, and you're dead, and you're dead, and you're dead, and bounce. And bounce, and it's just like you're just kind of flowing with it, and it changes too. It can go from like this really fast, like doom, 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 to like a real slow, like and and um, yeah. Sorry, I'm just getting into it. It's just, it's very fun. <laughs> um, so this is I just played the demo. Um, the actual game I think is like twelve dollars right now. So I was like, ooh, do I do I buy this? Um, I've really enjoyed it, and I think it's continued to keep my excitement up for Tears of the Kingdom this Friday. Okay. Um, but it makes me want to play the original Crypt of the Necrodancer. I've never played that, even though I've heard nothing but wonderful things about it. Always, everyone, uh, everything I see, everyone that's playing it, everyone I've talked to about it, they've all loved it. And this, I'm sitting here like, okay, I get like why there is kind of a universal like adoration for it. Um, I do think it is a niche style of game, um, but it's so fun. It is just, it's such a cool art style. It's such a cool concept and it's all blended together so well. You can see at the bottom of the screen, like it's also, it's a visual and audio thing. When you play that, like you can see it coming in. It's like, okay, you need to move here and here 
And it's like just constantly like giving you the cues you need to understand how you're supposed to go throughout it. And I think it's wonderful. I highly recommend anyone to just give it a check, like a checkout with the demo. And yeah, big fan. I don't have too much more for it other than that because I've only played like an hour of it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was just a really cool way to like keep this like lead up for me going and with such like a different flavor and different style. I don't know. I'm just like, yeah, I wish, I wish more, I guess like IPs, I guess is the best way to put it, but like would take bigger risk with like their styles. Like I don't need to see, you know, like God of war and like crypto, the Necrodancer kind of a thing, but I would say God of war changed its style from like the original trilogy to like, it's like old school, like arcadey game into like the classic Sony over the shoulder. Um, but I would love to see them like branch out and do like just different ideas. And I know this isn't yeah. like um, Zelda's team doing this. This is Crypt of the Necrodancer essentially like making this with this in mind and having like that permission to. Um, but I don't know. I just, I think it works really well. It's very fun. And I wish more, more things and more IPs, I guess is the word, would try riskier things outside of their like set genre. Like, uh, it was like Persona. They went, it's not super outside their genre, but Persona 5 is JRPG. And then with uh, turn based combat, and then Persona 5 Strikers is just a Musou um, combat, but still JRPG, but it's still like changing up its core idea. Um, to fit yeah. into something new. And I yeah. think a lot of times it's just very fun. Might not always work, but in this case with Cadence of Hyrule, it works really well. Yeah. Even, One persona, I mean, also had uh, Dancing All Night. Yes, they have Dancing All Night. Which was their rhythm yes. game. And mm-hmm. um, Persona 4 also had uh, Arena, which was a yes. fighting game. Mm-hmm. Um, and also they have the Q games, yes. which are dungeon crawlers. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, they're... <laughs> Those are great examples of, I think, when studios take a bit of a risk with their, I don't want to say cookie cutter, but like their wheelhouse and like, let's try something new, try something different. And those are scenarios where it's worked well. And I don't I think taking risks like that usually and allowing like teams to have more creative freedom um, goes a long way, you know? I, I'm very excited for Final Fantasy 16. I think it's going to be very good. It's transitioned into just like a full, like real time, like action game. Feels like par for the course for how the series has gone for its last, I would say, three entries leading up to this. It's like, okay, yeah, this doesn't feel, it's going to be new, quote unquote, but it's just more of a final product of what they've been doing, kind of a thing. It yep. isn't it isn't pushing the boundaries of like what they've done in the past before, or like stepping out of that and trying something completely new. It's no, we we've been working our way here and this is just going to be like our newest version of this idea. It's nothing like bold. I would say at least it doesn't seem that way. And while again, this isn't a direct game made by the Zelda team. It is like a like, it, it's Hyrule, it's Link, there's Zelda, um, and you're in the thick of it, and it's just a new way to play. I think it's very fun, and it's yeah. very, very good. Yeah, it's made by a um, developer called Brace Yourself Games, mm. um, who made, uh, yeah, uh, Krypton Necrodancer and uh, Cadence of Hyrule. And mm. uh, most, I mean, maybe not most notably, but it's... Um, yeah, are coming out with Rift of the Necrodancer this year, Ooh. Corey. Um, not sure if you're familiar with that, but no, it's um, it is a. I think it like blends a lot of things, but like the core uh, rhythm combat, it looks like is kind of a variation of the like old Guitar Hero like okay. stuff coming yeah. down like a board yeah. in front of you, um, which again is also cool. Like the fact that they've like they're not even just doing the same thing over and over, but they're doing like 
new cool yeah. mm-hmm. rhythm game stuff. Like that that's the thing. I'm glad I loved Guitar Hero and um, Rock Band and stuff whenever those were out. But realistically, would would I? Well, I say would I get a new Guitar Hero if it came out? I would. Yes, you would. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> probably. But like, I'm just glad that they are, that like rhythm games still are existing in like a cool way. Yeah. Um, because like, yeah, Hi-Fi Rush whipped ass. Like yeah. loved, loved the aesthetic of that. Loved the tone of that. Um, there, there are plenty of rhythm games I never played like uh, Rhythm Heaven and mm-hmm. some of those other ones that we like that I just kind of missed out on but would love to go back and see um, but the fact that yeah I mean like Crypt of the Necrodancer or Rift of the Necrodancer or any of these things like that they're existing and thriving and doing mm-hmm. really well like um, you know again more depends on which one it is but like i'm more excited to see games like this that are experimental and like variations of things that we know than just like another open world you know bloat fest of right something i don't want to don't want to play and that isn't is mainly just super buggy yeah um so yeah more of it we Please. want it um yeah maybe i'll maybe i'll play a little bit of cadence of hyrule before check it out because i fun. have it yeah I've, I've had it for for a while i just haven't uh popped it in maybe i'll play a little bit of that before uh before some of the tears of the kingdom do it they they clearly got like some of the same samples or they did a great job of recreating it but like anytime like link like you fall in water or something like that and he does the noise uh-huh. is like one for one from what yeah. it was before i'm like ooh, yes that's it's one of those things where, like, I, how I compare Link's Awakening to A Link to the Past last week, and, like, it still has a lot of the same music, a lot of the same sounds. It it, it pulled, like, I'm like, this is a Zelda game, is, like, the yep. idea, the core concept idea that it definitely still brings in. Even though some of the, like, concepts and ideas of it are a little different, a lot of its spirit is still the same. And within yep. Cadence of Hyrule, that spirit is still there. Different concepts, different execution. Same core, same spirit. Very fun. Yeah. Just keep, it kept me in the mood and it's kept me excited. Love it. Yeah. Corey, um, it's hard to, hard to believe, but we're mere days. Four days. From, um, from Zelda. Um, so we, so yeah, everybody listening here expect, I mean, when we record next, yeah, when we record next, I mean, it's not like we'll have had dozens and dozens of hours with Zelda, but well, yeah, I mean, if we given, given your dedication to crusader Kings, I put nothing past you, Corey. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah. You would, I think, I think you would tear another ACL just to, just to have more time with, Mm, with, uh, no, I'd break an ankle (laughs) for it, but I don't know if I would do do another ACL. (laughs) Okay. That's at least some dedication. Um, maybe not enough, but it's, um, it's a little bit. Um, yeah. So everybody get excited because next episode, it's going to be tears of the kingdom all day long. Nothing else for a while. Um, but yeah, Corey, I'm excited about it. Until then, though, Corey, um, where can people find you on the internet? Because I guess this has been an episode. We kept it's, it. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're keeping it tight. Yeah. Um, find me over on Instagram at hash slinging thrasher or over on Twitter at stay thrashy. But always and most importantly, follow our Twitter at arcade underscore cozy. What about you, Chris? Yeah, boy. Um, you can find me at a uh, four point pixel on Instagram. Um, Swiss Fun Joe on Twitter. Um, you can email us, arcadecozy at gmail.com. Questions, comments, concerns. Tell us about uh, tell us about your Zelda experience. Ooh, yeah. um, what you've been playing, what you're going to do in Tears of the Kingdom. What happens once you're in it? Did you build a rocket ship to go to the moon? Who knows? I hope you did. Um, tell us about it. Yeah, um, I did, probably. Most likely. Uh, this time next week, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, intro outro music, Johnny Be Good, 89. Um, I'm sure if you follow him on Instagram, I'm sure you can find some sick Zelda beats on there. Um, go enjoy that. But yeah, Corey, until Zelda time, this has been Arcade Cozy. Life is hectic. 
why should your hobbies, hobbies be, be too? too?